Good morning, PBC. Oh, you did better than the earlier crowd. You actually drank your coffee. <laughs> this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Is there anybody that's just glad that God woke them up this morning? Is there anybody that knows that he started you on your way? You didn't think about breathing, seeing, or hearing, but God saw it fit this morning to allow you to do all of those things. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you ought to have a worship in your voice. You ought to have an amen and a hallelujah. Is there anybody that knows God is good? There we go. There we go. I just want to locate us that we know that the glory of God is still in the building and he is still active. Amen. Amen. First of all, I want to thank my wife and my son. I can't do any of that. Um, I can't do anything that I do without the both of them. So they've been a blessing, and they are my first ministry. To my prayer partner, Pastor Paul, um, listen, he likes walking around the block. I don't do walking around the block, but every time he wants to walk around the block, you have a healthy pastor, but I'm grateful that he continues to pray for me. Amen? Amen. And PBC, y'all look really good. I was, this, what happened here? So... <laughs> Like, like COVID happened, you got a new sanctuary. Look at God, new things in a new season. So we're so grateful. Pastor Rob is also here, another good friend of mine. So I'm grateful for him. Amen. I want to um, talk to you this morning about the power of remembering. The power of remembering. If you have your Bibles and you get into the book of Exodus, you go to the second chapter. I just want to read like this little sub piece um, that's at the very end of that chapter. It's the 23rd through the 25th verse. And it reads this way in the English Standard Version. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Let's pray. Father God, we are eternally grateful that you are in our midst. As we come to declare your holy word, hide me behind the cross, God. There are people in here that have been dealing with serious challenges and issues this week, and we want your Holy Ghost to sit fresh in this room. We need you to break strongholds. We need you to meet needs. We need you to transform lives. We need your spirit this morning to shift people's very existence, God. Right now, I'm praying for those that have spoken and unspoken needs, those that are facing battles that they can't even speak to God. God, remind them by the time I'm done that you remembered them, that you remember who they are and that you have a plan for them. Amen. Pastor Eric, one of the things I find very interesting about the Bible is its university, how it is universal through time and geography. It's interesting to me how you can have a small tribe in the Middle East that were basically sheep herders, 
and how the story written by many different authors can resonate throughout time. It's actually a pretty profound thing when you think about it because I'm pretty sure that when um, Moses was writing the book of Exodus, his chariot was not electrified or made by Tesla. He, he couldn't go on Facebook and tell people about the glory of God. As a matter of fact, most people in that period of time never went any more than 10 to 15 miles away from their house. But that same story, which was God-given, which is the Bible, resonates through time. It's interesting to me how it resonated early in the first century church as it spread through the Roman Empire, going to Antioch and Rome and other cities. It's interesting to me how we get to um, the fathers of the church and you start going to the upper coast of Africa and Augustine writes his great confession. It's amazing to me how that very same God jumped to the Middle Ages and spoke to Luther in, in Germany. It's amazing to me how that very same God in that very same Bible spoke to John Wesley in England in the 1700s. It's amazing to me how we get to the United States and you're animated by um, such great preachers as George Whitfield. It's amazing to me how the same Bible spoke to Ray Steadman. It's amazing how universal the Bible is. But what I, what I realize and what I understand to be very clear is that in that Bible, each person that reads the Bible is reading it from their own very specific lens. Their experience, their upbringing, their education, their growth determines how they see the Bible. And you know what? We ought to not be so dogmatic because the infinite God wrote this Bible to speak to people through different times and places. I find it interesting, interesting, that as we look at it, we realize that God speaks to people differently. I want to transport you back to 1796 to a Brush Harbor Chapel that was no bigger than the center of the stage. And those of African descent that had been brought over to this country read this text and it goes, during the many days the king of Egypt died, the people of Israel groaned of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard them groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. I know that, that the context is a little different here. Um, none of you are in a brush harbor, none of you are slaves, but do you imagine if you are reading this text and you start realizing that God remembered you? that God remembered you and 2,000 years before you ever picked up a Bible, he wrote a text that speaks directly to your current situation, to your current problem, to your current predicament. He wrote out a word for you from the beginning of time that your slavery would be free. That's how powerful and profound that God 
remembered them. Now, Paul, I, I don't know um, if there's anybody else here that thinks God has never remembered them. I know some of you, you're super saved. You can come back next week. They got some great preachers here. But I want to talk to those that have ever struggled with thinking they aren't remembered by God. We live in an era where they just did research um, and they said loneliness is epidemic. How can you be lonely if you know? Where we feel like God doesn't remember us. I've talked to enough people that as they sit and they deal with the reality of a life that didn't go the way they thought it would, somebody died all of a sudden and they're asking God questions. Why did you take them? God, do you remember me? The relationship that you thought was forever and now you're in divorce and you ask God, do you remember me? That child that you paid private school in Palo Alto for and sent him and did everything, brought him to Sunday school, did everything, and they have lost their ever-loving mind, and you're like, God, do you remember me? That job that you staked your career on, that school that you thought was going to have you, all of those things that you thought were going to keep you, and they no longer do that, and you're looking at God and saying, do you remember me? Now, some of you be like, ah, oh, I've never been there. Well, you're better than Jesus. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Even Jesus had moments where he asked God, do you remember me? Do you remember me? I think it's absolutely critical that we as believers be honest that there are moments that we doubt God, that we thought the plan he had for our life didn't go the way. But I'm here to tell you, God never forgets. God does remember you. Now I'm at PBC, so I'm going to use every bit of the text. <laughs> Every word, every Hebrew, Greek, everything we're going to use today. So my first point, my first point is, the world doesn't remember. The beginning of this text is very interesting. The beginning of this text is very interesting. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt, thank you, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel grown because their slavery had cried out. If you go back to the beginning of Exodus, the first chapter, the eighth through ninth verse, it says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. You've got to understand, the children of Israel were waiting for a new Pharaoh to change their situation. They felt like if they had a new president, I mean Pharaoh, <laughs> that it would be all right. They felt that if they had new policies, no, I mean Pharaoh, that it would all change. They felt like if they had a new job, no, I mean Pharaoh, that it would all be better. 
But I'm here to tell you that the world doesn't remember. I need to be honest with you. I know we live in Palo Alto. Um, we have some affluent people, a lot of affluent people. And the problem is, is when you have affluence, when you have money, when you have resources, and you start dealing with situations, the first thing you do is you throw your resources at it. You come up with a plan, you, you find the best specialist, you go down to Stanford and get whatever doctor you can get. You do all that you do to make sure that you can do it work. And I'm a pastor, so I know this. And then you come to the pastors, right, Pastor Paul? Help me out. And I say, can we pray? And, and what am I praying for? Am I praying for the situation? Or I'm praying for the solution you came up with so that God could bless it? So many of us start our response. We're waiting like the Israelites are waiting for the world to give you the answer, for the world to remember you, for the world to fill in the dots, for the world to fix the situation. And what I've come to realize, the longer I preach, the longer I live, the longer I know there are some great people in the world, but the world doesn't remember me in the same way that God remembers me. You've got to understand that God knows you personally. God has a plan for your life. God knew about you when the day that he turned night and day and separated it out. That day, that very day, he knew who you were. He knew what you were going to be. He knew where you were going to live. He knew everything about you. And I'm so grateful that God remembers me because when life falls apart, when all things break, when the situation is unsolvable, I have a source that will be and remember me, and that is God. You could clap. Come on. God remembers me. God remembers me. And the world doesn't. And that is so critical. Now, This is the next point, point two. They remembered to call on God. It says it here, it says, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cry out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. Paul, um, as many theologians have have posited about this text. They, they've defined this moment as proto-worship. Proto-worship. What do I mean by that? It is the first time significantly after the book of Joseph that you see a communal response of worship to God. It is where you start seeing the children of Israel as a community lifting up their voices to God. They remember to go to God. Don't be so hard on them. They've been enslaved for almost 430-something years. And this is the first time in the Bible that we see them going to God. They remembered to go to God. They remembered to lift their voice, and they remembered to go to God. 
But this is an interesting thing, Sister Shawnee. This is an interesting thing for me in the text. Uh, how did they go to God? How did they go to God? They groaned. Now, many of you don't know what might not be volunteers in the service, but if you know about a service, whether it's here or university or any church in America today, there's generally a spreadsheet or planning center with a list almost down to the minute of what's going to happen. I have a timer that tells me I'm at 13 minutes, 28 seconds in the back. <laughs> we have this formality in our worship. We almost have the formality in how we approach God. But what we can learn so clearly from these people, from the Israelites in this moment, is that I don't need a formal approach. I just need a groaning in my spirit. This is reaffirmed in the book of Romans where it says, I went to my knee and I'm just groaning to God. Some situations you have, you can't share with your mother. You can't share with your spouse. You can't share with your auntie. You can't share with your uncle. You can't share with your dad. You can't share with anybody else. But when you go on your knees and lay prostate before God, you groan in your spirit and God will hear your cry. So many of us have formalized our devotional and prayer life. I wake up, I open the Bible app, I go on pray.com, I open my devotional, I open my Bible, I am doing all of these things. I pray for five minutes, I read for seven minutes, um, I, I fast during Lent, I got it all worked out how I'm going to approach God. But I need a new generation of believers that are going to take the groaning of the Spirit, not just to be in the time of emergency. Let me say that again. Our prayers become so power, more powerful and palatable when the world is falling apart around us. I know, because I do it. When something's wrong, there's no groaning. We are just going to God. Hey, God, I woke up. Thank you much. Thank you for the health today. Thank you for all of the things you've done. Amen. Hallelujah. Move on. But what if we had a groaning in our spirit? What if we had a groaning in our spirit for our future? What if we had a groaning in our spirit for those that are doing missionary work? What if we had a groaning in our spirit for this culture and this community? What if it wasn't just a pat on the back and a simple prayer, but we start groaning in our spirit and going to God in such a way that we are lifting everything up in importance? It's such a profound thing when the body prays with intention, with force, and with power. You know, one thing I have to say, I said earlier service, we need to just stop praying for our broken places. Listen to me, church. God is not a get out of free jail card. We need to pray for the same intensity for our visions, our dreams, our hopes, the people in our community. We need to start praying because we have the greatest resource 
forever, which is God. Let me explain to you who God is. God, God is the one that created the universe. He, he woke up one day. He threw billions of stars in the sky. He decided how the Milky Way and Andromeda should be shaped as universes. He figured out that the sun should be yellow. He figured out the exact distance of the earth from the sun. He figured out that there needs to be a certain amount of water in the sky so that the sky is blue and it protects us from radiation. He figured out that the chlorophyll in the grass needed to be a certain color of green just so that we'd be able to have food to eat and that we would have an ecosystem. That very same God that fig figured it all out is the same God that cares for you and he has the power. So we need to start groaning in our spirit, not just for our pain, but for our hope. Point number three. Point number three. God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. God heard them groaning. That makes me excited. Because it means that God never forgets us. God is hearing me. God is speaking. God is listening to what I've said and what I'm bringing. So I'm remembered by God. Even if the person beside you won't listen to you on a car ride home, you know God is listening. Even if you feel like the person you call ignored you and put you into voicemail, God is listening. And the power of God listening is that it's so profound and powerful. When God is listening, he's not just listening to your prayers for the here and now. He's listening to your prayers for generation. I, I am the product of preachers. I am the product of preachers. My great-grandmother, um, she started a church in the country of Jamaica, and she prayed for me. I wasn't born, I wasn't here, I've never met her on earth. She died many years before I was born, but she prayed for me. My mother became a preacher and she prayed for me. And now I don't understand how a man that was born in Jamaica, moved to New York at 11, ends up here in Palo Alto preaching. But what I do know is that God cares about generational prayer. Let me break it down for you. It says God remembered his covenant with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. God remembers the prayer that we pray for the generations that come before after us. So many of us are just so busy praying for ourselves, but we need to start praying for our children and our great-grandchildren and our great-great-grandchildren and our great-great-great-grandchildren and our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren because when you start praying for them and you start adding it up, as it goes through the generation. You are praying a prayer for the future. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. This, this, this needs not be lost. I know, I know some people are like, well, I'm just trying to get my child to school. But what happened to your great-grandchildren? We don't know the world they live in. We don't know the challenges they'll face. We don't know the fights they will. But you can endow them with one of the greatest gifts, which is your gift of prayer. 
Imagine Abraham prayed for the generations before him, and Isaac prayed for the generations before him, and Jacob prayed for the generations before him. And they all prayed. So right now, as they are going, God says, I remember when Abraham prayed for you. I remember when Isaac prayed for you. I remember when Jacob prayed for you. And I'm a God that keeps my promises. So I know I got to help you. Is that a gift that you can give the next generation? And then finally, it says God saw his people. Pastor Rob, I, I, I did my early ministry at the Greater Centennial African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church in Mount Vernon, New York. Small church, only about 6,000 members. And we had 40 volunteer ministers, which I was one of them. And each of us was required to visit about 10 people each month that were on the sick and shut-in list. That means they were either old or they had heads or illness. And my favorite lady to visit was a lady that was born in Alabama and she was a sharecropper in her early life. Her grandparents and parents were slaves. She migrated to Mount Vernon and she worked as a domestic taking the subway into the city. She put herself through school and she became a nurse and then retired. And I remember visiting her in the year of 2008. And right after the Iowa caucus, Barack Obama had gained momentum in the election. And she turned around and said, they're going to kill him. I looked at her and said, why would you say that? And she said, because they killed Emmett Till and King. As the election was approaching, she would never get really happy because she was apprehensive about what was coming next. So the election happened in November. And I walked into the apartment. And we started talking about Barack Obama being elected as the first black president. Not his policies, not his politics but the act of electing a black man. And her eyes were full of tears. She was weeping because she said, I never thought I would be here to see this happen. I never thought as a child of a slave that I would see a black prison. I never thought as a sharecropper in Alabama, I would ever see this happen. I never thought as a domestic in New York City that I would ever see this happen. I never thought when I was struggling to go to school and couldn't make ends meet that I would see somebody elected. What this is, is an answer to prayer. God remembered me even through all my lifetime and answered my prayer in this moment. What am I trying to tell you? You might go through some situations in your life. You might 
might have things that you think God forgot, but hold on a little while longer because God will remember you. He'll remember your children. He'll remember your health. He'll remember your broken places. He'll remember you no matter where you go. Every day that you step and walk with Jesus, God is going to remember you. I just need one or two folk. Matter of fact, I do it by myself. God asks you that. If you remember him, he'll remember you.